Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Dean McCollum, joined alongside my co-hosts, Andrew Lubliner, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel. And in this week's episode, we're going to have our first NBA recap of the season. So let's get started. So as many of our listeners may know, James Harden was traded in a blockbuster four-team trade this past week as of the time we're recording this. So the teams involved in this trade were the Brooklyn Nets, where uh, they received James Harden, the Houston Rockets, where they got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Karuks from the Nets, four first-round picks and four pick swaps, the Cavaliers, who got Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince, both from the Nets, and the Indiana Pacers, who received Karis LeVert in a second-round pick. So uh, we're going to talk about the winners and losers. Uh, we're going to start with Andrew. Who do you think won this trade, and who do you think lost this trade? Um, well, it's pretty hard to say that you lose a trade if you somehow get James Harden. So I think the Nets are definitely a winner. I think I think each team has something to be happy about. I think the Nets, they're just happy that they got James Harden. Um, I think that when Spencer did, when he went down with the injury, that took – a lot of depth away from their team. And I think that that's one of the main reasons why they made this trade. And now having him, Katie and Kyrie is just, there's pretty much no other big three that can compete with that. Um, and just in terms of big threes um, in the NBA, uh, one thing I'd like to say is it might not look super flashy uh, or super good on paper for the Rockets, but they actually got a ton of uh, stuff back. Um, they would have gone Karis LeVert, but they flipped him for Victor Oladipo who, Probably as of right now is a slightly better player, um, but Karis LeVert definitely has a ton of potential. So I think that's a great pickup for Indiana. So I think Indiana swooping in and getting Karis LeVert is definitely a great move for them. But the Rockets, this trade was mainly for the first-round picks. Four unprotected first-round picks and four pick swaps. That is just unreal. Um, that I mean, in recent memories, that's more draft picks than any of the recent big trades uh, that have gone down. So, uh, like, I think that the Rockets, they definitely capitalized on the moment. And even though it seemed as though they didn't have much leverage with James Harden wanting out, it seems as though they got a ton of uh, draft compensation for him. And for the Cavs, like, I don't really, I, I understand going after Jarrett Allen. They have so many big men now, and it's already been rumored that Andre Drummond will probably be traded before the deadline anyways, because he's in a contract year. Um, but I guess Jarrett Allen would be a good fit alongside Garland and Sexton and, uh, Isaac Okoro, um, although they do have a lot of big men, so I'm not sure how it's going to work out for the time being, but I think overall, definitely, obviously the Nets are big winners, and I think the Rockets definitely got enough back um, to, to the point where they can be happy about this trade. All right. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this trade? Um, so I'm going to start with the Pacers thing really quickly about Karis LeVert. I think that the Pacers did a great job here just getting Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo um, because Victor Oladipo, also, uh, like Andre Drummond is in a contract here. And at least in my perspective, from what I have heard, it was rumored that he was going to leave um, in the offseason because he wanted to go to a team that, I mean, probably more a little bit more of a contender, um, like the Heat or something like that. He's uh, rumored to want to go to the Heat, which is why uh, pe people think that the Rockets are going to trade him with the Heat for some more assets and picks. But the Pacers got a player in Karis LeVert who has not really – been able to shine on a team with Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving so far this season and really at all, even last season. I mean, I think he was brought off of the bench too last season, if I'm correct. And he played tremendous in the bubble. He was by far the Nets best player with Kyrie Irving not playing. So I think um, Karis LeVert's going to take a big step the rest of the year on the Pacers, become an arguable all-star and become a player that will be one of the best shooting guards in the league for the year to come, for the years to come. Um, and also, like you said, Andrew, uh, the Cavs traded for Jarrett Allen. I think this, is a, this was a smart uh, trade for them, even though they have 
a crazy number of bigs now because they're going to trade Andre Drummond. I see no reason why they keep him. Um, they're not going to re-sign him in the offseason. I'd be very surprised if they did now that they have Jared Allen. But I think they're going to trade him to a team where they're more of a contender, a team that can afford his salary and where he can be that big man uh, in the playoffs that they need. Because the Pistons, the team that he used to be on, and now the Cavs, haven't really been playoff contenders or in the playoffs in the past couple of years. So, I mean, I think Andre Drummond, a team that I think could be good for Drummond is, I don't know if they have the assets, but maybe the Celtics, uh, a team with Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson, but not that big, big men that they need in the middle. Um, yeah, but I think that this trade for the Nets, especially there is a big pro getting James Harden, a forming a big, uh, a big three, uh, in the Eastern Conference, the best big three in the league, arguably the best big three all time, but they lost a lot of depth in this trade. Getting rid of Jer Allen and Karis Levert and already trading Spencer, I mean, already losing Spencer Dinwiddie to an injury. I mean, I think their best player coming off the bench is going to be like Jeff Green now. So, I mean, I think they have three roster spots open. I think they'll go out and sign another big man as their only big man on their roster right now is DeAndre Jordan, but. Yeah, I mean, they get their, they get the player they wanted. They did give up a lot. I mean, eight picks total is a lot of picks um, and two young, good players too. So, I mean, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think they got what they wanted in this trade. Campbell, what are your thoughts on this trade? Uh, yeah, as you guys were saying, uh, the Nets really gave up their whole future for James Harden. But when you get James Harden on your team, it's really hard to say you've lost a trade. James Harden's a former MVP, and it's not like he's exiting his prime and he's nearing retirement. Like, he led the league in scoring last year by four points. Like, he is one of the best players in this league, and putting three players like Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden on the floor during crunch time is going to be scary for any team because it's not like, oh, when the ball gets tipped out on a last-second shot, it's going to... Alex Caruso, no, in the Nets case, it's going to Kyrie Irving or James Harden or whoever's not taking that final shot. And that's just terrifying for the rest of the league. And uh, obviously Houston got a ton back for that. Uh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have a bright future. A lot of the Texas teams are going to be taking over the NBA draft for the next few years. It's just going to be the Thunder select and the Rockets select for a while to come. So uh, they definitely... They're, they're going to trade some of those picks at some point. So I think this was really, in terms of just the Nets and the Rockets, which were the two like major teams in this trade, obviously there were the two other teams. But this was really a win-win scenario for uh, both teams. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly go over this since you guys covered a lot of it. But um, there's no team in particular that I really think was a loser of this trade. I'll start off with the Nets, like you guys brought up multiple times you're getting James Harden, who's always in the MVP conversation every single season. So you're probably not going to lose the trade if you're receiving someone of James Harden's caliber. And then you have the Cleveland Cavaliers, who got Jared Allen. Hopefully he can be their center of the future. Like Tyler said, they might move on from Andre Drummond before the offseason, and they're probably not going to resign him if they don't trade him before the deadline. And So Jared Allen's your long-term replacement, and he's a younger version of, Jared, uh, of uh, Andre Drummond. So I really like that from the Cavs. Now for the Pacers, they move on from Victor Oladipo. He's on his contract season. He probably wanted like near 25, 30 mil a year. Pacers weren't willing to give him that. So they got a younger version of 
Victor Oladipo, someone who can't slash as well as him, but someone who can shoot way, uh, a lot better than him in Karis LeVert. So I really like that pickup, a younger version of Victor Oladipo. I, I see Karis LeVert as a future all-star in this league. And then you have the Houston Rockets who got four first-round picks and four pick swaps. So they're going to have picks on picks for so many years. And you're also bringing in Victor Oladipo who can hopefully uh, help John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, all those guys uh, to a playoff spot. So I think that all teams in this... Uh, in this trade definitely made some good moves and I'm excited to see how everything works out for each team. Yeah. I'd like to also, Oh, okay. Sorry. I just want to add one more thing. I saw a stat, um, recently, um, well recently in the past week, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both both Kyrie Irving still not playing, but Kevin Durant had to quarantine for a week. And, um, in those games, and in all the other games from last year where Kyrie wasn't in, and then this year where Kyrie and Katie weren't in the lineup, Karis LeVert um, averaged 30 points. And that's actually a real stat. Like, I'm not just making that up. So that just shows you that if he, if he has the ball enough in his hands, he could average 30 and be an all-star level player. So I definitely agree with you, Dean, that um, he could easily uh, be all-star in the future. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Karis LeVert. I know Andrew's a huge fan of Karis LeVert as he came out of Michigan. But uh, yeah, Karis LeVert's going to be good in the next coming of years. Um, and also, I want to add something else. This is a little bit of a bold prediction. But out of all these teams, I think the Nets did the worst on this trade. In my perspective, the Rockets got a long haul of picks. Picks, I think, for the next, what, eight years. Got Oladipo, who they can trade... Um, who uh, they can trade for more assets and picks, and they got some young players like Dante Exum and Kuruks, who are two good young. I mean, they're two okay young players. We'll see if they can develop into something better. But I think that the Nets gave up so much of their bench that after their starters play the first, maybe even the first quarter, that they're going to have no production off of the bench. That I don't know if, like in the NBA Finals, they're going to be able to compete with a team like the Lakers, who have the best bench in the league. And even maybe even a team like the Clippers, who have a pretty good bench, and the Bucks, who have a pretty good bench, and the Celtics, who have a pretty good bench. But I mean, I mean, they have a good amount of veterans, which will probably help, and they can sign a few more players. But this was a risky trade for the Nets, risking everything for the next two years. It makes sense. I mean, James Harden is one of the best players in the league, no doubt about it. Every time he steps on the court, but giving up their whole future form. And not having really any bench now, not I might having might have the worst bench in the league. I mean, that's a risky move in my part. Tyler, I agree with you that you're saying the Rockets gave up a lot just to get James Harden, which means they have no bench now. But I think that this trade will be worth it if they at least make it to the finals or come very close to winning this championship or maybe even winning the championship in the next few years. Because, I mean, when you're bringing in James Harden, your team is so good on paper that it's just because your bench isn't very good doesn't mean you're not going to be a good NBA team and you're not going to be able to compete at all with teams like the Lakers who have really strong benches, the Celtics who have a really deep team as well. So I think that the Nets still are definitely title contenders. I think that James Harden, KD, and Kyrie Irving alone are going to be able to get a, a number one or two seed in the Eastern Conference. But I understand where you're coming from. And I just want to talk about the Rockets one more time because... Um, I expected them to go out and try and get Ben Simmons. Apparently, uh, the 76ers on their part, they didn't want to give up Tyrese Maxey, and that was someone the Rockets were interested in trading for uh, in a potential James Harden-Ben Simmons trade. But, um, I like, I mean, the, the Rockets are receiving a lot of the Nets' picks, and if the Nets are going to be good for the next 
for for the foreseeable future. Those picks aren't going to really be as valuable as a team maybe like Philly if something doesn't work out there. So I expected the uh, the Rockets to get a little more, but I understand where they're coming from. Four first round picks and four pick swaps. They're heading in a different direction now that Harden's out of town. So, and they're not. That granted, that doesn't mean they're a bad team. I mean, they still have Christian Wood. They still have John Wall. They now have Victor Oladipo and potentially some more young assets and players. Um, so they're not a, a bad team. I think they can still be maybe the eight seed in the Western Conference. That is a big ask for a team that doesn't have really. I mean, we can consider John Wall superstar, but their superstar was James Harden, and now they don't. They don't have him anymore. So, I mean, they they're not going to be a bad team in the next couple of years but I don't think they can contend with the best ones. And the thing about the Nets is, of course, they're going to make the playoffs. Of course, they're going to be a top seed in the playoffs. Of course, they're going to make it far in the playoffs, but it's it's championship or nothing for them really now. I mean, for the next three years, they need to win a championship. That's, that's I mean, that that has to be it. If they, they can't get close, they can't make the finals and lose, they put their whole future into this next three seasons while these three – players are still in their primes they need to win a championship if they want to make this their fans and this organization wants to be happy I mean it's just it it is what it is but like that's what they need to do it's they need a championship and I don't I mean without that good of a bench I'm not sure if they can get it but with three superstars like this they can get it if they all play well together they can get it easily All right, so now that we're done talking about the huge blockbuster trade involving James Harden and all those other assets, uh, we're going to just quickly talk about some potential trade candidates and which team they might go to. So I'm going to start off with one. Uh, I'm going to go around the circle. So Tyler, you're going to start off with this one. Andre Drummond, uh, do you think he'll be traded and where to? With this move with Jarrett Allen, yes, I think he's going to be traded. This is tough for me because I think that a lot of teams could use a big man um, if they want to make a playoff push teams like maybe the Celtics, maybe the Mavericks to pair him up with Porzingis. Um, so those are two teams I'm just going to put out there for now. I think that he is more likely to go to a contender or not uh, than not if he's traded. So those are two teams that I have in mind. But, you know, you know, I mean, we don't know yet. Um, yeah, I agree with your your Mavs thought there, Tyler. I think that since Porzingis can space the floor out, having a another rim protector and a great rebounder could really help. And Andre Drummond's a great pick and roll setter as well for Luca. Um, another team that I think he could go to is, I mean, the wizards could pretty much just go all in and say like, okay, well, if they get Andre Drummond, they'll actually have some rim protection because without Thomas Bryant, they have no rim protection at all. Um, Cause Davis Bertans is just a stretch four, and Danny can't, it isn't big enough. And Rui's only like six, seven. So he can't really rim protect at all. So Andre Drummond would provide stability uh, in terms of rebounding and shot blocking. And he would definitely, I think, help that team a lot, especially in the absence of Russell Westbrook that we just recently learned he's going to be out for three to four weeks. So if Washington wants to try to go all in and try to make the playoff this year, I think maybe trading for a guy like Andre Drummond might be the move. I'm not sure what they would have to give up. I don't think the asking price for Andre Drummond is going to be very high. So if the Cavs want to trade him, they're probably going to just take the best offer available. And I think maybe the Wizards could offer up like maybe like a Mo Wagner, like a young player or something, and maybe like a pick um, or so uh, maybe a couple young players and a pick or two um, to just get that uh, deal done. And I think that'd be good for them because they're – they're trying to run their team as if they're a win now team, but they have a bottom three record 
uh, in the East. So they're not a win now team. So they definitely need to improve if they want to win now. Yeah, I agree with you, Andrew. I think that the Wizards would be a great landing spot for someone like Andre Drummond because, uh, as as we all know, Thomas Bryant towards ACL. Hopefully, he gets back healthy soon. But um, yeah, I think that if the Wizards were to trade someone like Mo Wagner, like you said, maybe Troy Brown, who doesn't really do much off the bench, and a pick because let's be honest here, um, Andre Drummond's value isn't going to be that high because he's a free agent. So it's basically a half a year rental. So if uh, the Wizards want, if the Wizards want to trade for Drum, they're only basically getting him for half a year. So I think that trading for Drum for the Wizards would be good because it'd make Bradley Beal for, feel more comfortable having someone else to pass to, because uh, Drummond can uh, sort of st- stretch the floor and he's a great interior player. So I think it'll make Bradley Beal feel more comfortable when, when Westbrook's out for the next four uh, four weeks. So I think that'd be a great landing spot. Campbell, do you have anything to say? Uh, Dean, I have another trade candidate. Um, just something that just went through my head. Um, a guy that has come up in kind of some like low key trade rumors is Zach Levine. Um, it seemed like based on the situation he's in right now, you wouldn't think that Zach Levine want to be traded, but he expressed a lot of kind of like just he just pretty much expressed to the Bulls organization last year that he didn't like the situation he was in and they fired the coach and got a new coach. So maybe that changed him. Cause I'm pretty sure that he had a ton of uh, problems with the coach. And that was one of the reasons why he potentially would want out of Chicago, but I'm pretty sure he's up for a new contract soon. Um, and he's definitely proven that he is a great young player and he has a ton of promise and he's a great scorer. And there are teams that could really use a player like him. There are teams that are playoff teams that could, you know, use him and then that could catapult them to a contender. And then there are other teams that uh, aren't playoff teams that could use Zach Levine um, that could really uh, help them kind of just uh, bolster their franchise. So I think that he's someone to watch because I don't know if he's going to get traded. I'm not sure what the Bulls intentions are because they do have a solid young core with Wendell Carter Jr. and um, Kobe White and Larry Markinen who had a terrible season last year, but he's coming back. I'm pretty sure he's coming back to play uh this week so we'll see how it goes but Zach Levine is definitely someone to keep an eye on um in terms of trades yeah I remember those uh rumors about Zach Levine coming up last season but you got to remember that's when they had arguably the worst coach in the NBA at the time Jim Boylan who they fired replaced with Billy Donovan so I think that uh, all of Zach Levine's problems that he had with management and the coaching is all fixed now I don't think that the Bulls would trade him since He's probably their most promising player. I mean, you can make an argument for Kobe White, but Zach Levine, he's still a great young talent, and I mean, he can shoot the heck out of the ball. So who doesn't want an automatic score uh, on their team? So I could definitely see Zach Levine in some trade sometime down the line. Yeah, I don't think it's very likely he gets traded just because of the fact that he definitely was a part of the Bulls hiring Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan is a great coach, and Zach Levine is a great player. Um, and I think that if the one, a big part of Bulls management hiring Billy Donovan was hiring a coach that Zach Levine likes. And I think that if Kobe White continues to develop, Laurie Marketing gets healthy and continues to develop, Otto Porter can stay healthy and be a good player. Patrick Williams plays well and Wendell Carter Jr. plays well. I mean, the Bulls have a good young core if all their uh, pieces end up being good. And I mean, they could potentially end up having a good uh, ba- uh, backcourt in the NBA with Kobe White and Zach Levine. So, you know what? Zach Levine might want to go to a place where it's more win now, but right now I don't think it's very likely he gets traded. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Anyone else have anyone they want to bring up or or we're just going to move on to the next part? This is an interesting one because I know this is Andrew. Andrew's one of uh, one of Andrew's favorite players in the NBA. He's on the Knicks. He's getting paid quite a lot, but he's been playing uh, really well this season. So Julius Randle, I Andrew, I want to start with you on this one. I I honestly don't know if he's going to get traded or not. I mean, you're you're a Knicks fan. I'm a Lakers fan, so I don't re- know very much about this topic. But yeah, well, I mean, you are a Lakers fan, so at least you know a little bit about Julius Randle. But um, yeah. I mean, he's only making 18 mil, which is, it's above league average, but it's not like crazy max dollars. A lot of people in the Knicks, like a lot of people that cover the Knicks, I think thought that 100% he'd be gone at the deadline this year based on how he played last year. But based on how he's playing this year, he's kind of reshaped his value. And right now his value is an all-time high. So if the Knicks can somehow get out of their four-game losing streak uh, losing streak that they're in right now and somehow make a push for the play-in or the eighth seed in the playoffs, which I don't think that they will. I don't think this is what they should do, but it's definitely an option. And if they think that they can, they might keep, keep him for the season. But if you're the Knicks and you're a rebuilding team, it could be smart to trade him while his value's at an all-time high so you get the most back for him because – um, the Knicks could definitely trade Randall for a good young player uh, or some future picks that would definitely help with, with their rebuilding team because while Julius Randall is definitely helping the Knicks more than he's hurting them, he's taking away a ton of chances from Obi Toppin, who they just drafted. They play the exact same position. Um, so he gets significantly less minutes. And also Julius Randall has like the highest usage rate in the NBA. So he takes away a lot of shot attempts from like Kevin Knox and RJ Baird and Obi Toppin when he's healthy now and a man quickly and other rookies and other young players. So I think ultimately he will get traded either by the deadline or a hundred percent at the end of the season. There's no way he's on the roster next year, but if I were the Knicks, I would trade him now while his value is at all time high. Um, Two more players to bring up Victor Oladipo. One who we, we were talking about in the James Harden trade and Bradley Beal. I think it is way more likely that Victor Oladipo gets traded than Bradley Beal, but I have seen some rumors on ESPN and Bleacher Report about potential teams uh, like the Heat uh, wanting Bradley Beal and also the Heat wanting Victor Oladipo. So I was just wondering what you guys think about those rumors. Um, I think that it's – I mean, I've seen the same rumors as you, but I think it's very unlikely that they trade for either because chances are uh, if they're trading for either of them, they're definitely going to have to give up. One of or one or more of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Precious Ochoa. So those are three of their young, promising talents that they've put a lot of effort into keeping and making sure no other team asks for them and including them in a trade. So I think it's unlikely because uh, I believe that uh, the Houston Rockets uh, were in trade talks with the Miami Heat and they wanted too much. They wanted Tyler Hero and Duncan and Precious. Like I, I don't see especially Bradley Beal, who's playing really, really well right now. He's leading the NBA in points per game. I don't see that happening because they'd have to throw in someone like Tyler Hero and more because it's Bradley Beal. And for Victor Oladipo, you're going to also have to give the Rockets one of those players. So uh, I don't see them making a trade uh, with the Miami Heat, but I, I could definitely see Victor Oladipo getting traded, but I don't think I can see Bradley Beal getting traded. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that there is a way less uh, likelihood that Bradley Beal gets traded to Victor Oladipo, and I don't know if either of them are going to get traded to the Heat. But I think Victor Oladipo, is. I 
it would make sense for him to get traded. Um, the Pacers traded him to the Rockets. The Rockets are rebuilding. I don't think the Rockets are going to re-sign him. They could just let his contract expire and let him walk to save some cap space. Um, but it would make sense if they traded him to a contender and capitalized on um, trading him and getting some value uh, for him and maybe some young assets. I've been talking about that uh, a lot and using that word a lot. And also some maybe first or second rounders, maybe a, uh, one or maybe, yeah, one or two firsts and maybe a, uh, one or two seconds if that's how they want to do it. But um, yeah, I, I think that Vic, it would make sense for Victor Oladipo to be traded, but I'm not sure if he will. All right, so now that we're done talking about the Brooklyn Nets trade with James Harden and all the trade candidates uh, for this upcoming season, we're just going to just talk about highlights from teams, lowlights from teams, surprising teams, teams that have disappointed. So I know we don't talk about this team a lot because they're one of the best in the league, if not the best, and over half of us are fans of this team. So we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. So Campbell... Uh, you just switched back from uh, a different computer. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Lakers for what you've seen in their 13 games of the season? Uh, yeah, obviously the Lakers are looking great. 10-3 and three undefeated on the road. Uh, one of those losses was our first game of the year. Uh, I could go on and on about good things the Lakers have done this year. They've really started playing better defense in the past four to five games. Anthony Davis was upset with how they were looking in the first seven-ish games, and He's really turned this team around. He's had in the past like five games, he's averaged three or four or two or three blocks a game, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. And on the offensive end, our team is also clicking. I think we're averaging the fifth most points per game in the league. Our shooters are knocking down shots. Players like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell, our offseason pickups, are looking really good. Uh, they both fit in super well. So yeah, the whole the whole team is really just clicking and they're looking pretty unstoppable, but uh I think the definite number 1A or 1B or 2, whatever you want to call it, is definitely the Brooklyn Nets. That definitely uh spices things up for the Lakers this year. They they were sort of looking like they had not a clear path, but the path definitely just got a lot more difficult now that they're probably going to have to face a uh team with two former MVPs and three all-stars if they make the finals and if the Nets make the finals. So, uh, yeah, as a Laker fan, I'm really happy with how they've started the season, hoping to continue it against this team right here, the Pelicans tonight. So, yeah. All right, Tyler, uh, you're also one of the other Lakers fans in this group. So what are your thoughts on the Lakers for this uh, season? Um, the Lakers defense is what puts them apart from, uh, a lot of other contenders in my perspective. Um, the Lakers defense has been immaculate to start the season off. I mean, the one game where we could tell that, I mean, they didn't really play well is against the Spurs where DeJounte Murray went crazy. But, um, other than that, in the past three games, at least, uh, leading up to when we're recording this, the Lakers have had by far the best defense in the league in these uh, in these three games. And so far this season, they've had the best defense in the league. I mean, Anthony Davis is a great defender. LeBron is improved at defending. Dennis Schroeder is a good defender. Montrezl Harrell's a good defender. Marcus Gasol is a pretty good defender. I mean, there's Wesley Matthews and KCP are both good, uh, pretty good defenders. Alex Crusoe is one of the best on-ball uh, guard defenders in the NBA. So I just think that there are 
a lot of defensive weapons on this team. And if they can hold teams to under 100 points, they're likely to score because what do you know? Their offense is pretty good too. I mean, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, two of the best scorers in the league, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, two feisty players that uh, the Lakers add in free agency. And Taylor Horton Tucker stepping up, being that eight or nine role uh, for the Lakers. And also KCP and Kuzma have been playing relatively well recently. Um, so, I mean, this team is just clicking right now. Like Campbell said, a Nets-Lakers finals would be absolutely insane. I mean, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving versus um, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, that would just be immaculate. I, I'm going to say that word once again. But, um, yeah, that I think that the Lakers are looking great this season so far. And, I mean, I, I – Honestly, I would be very disappointed and very surprised if we did not make the finals. Uh, so, yeah. All right, Andrew, uh, you're the one non-Lakers fan here. Do you have anything quickly to say about them before we move on to the next team? Yeah, I saw a stat that said that when LeBron is the one closing out um, on a person taking a field goal attempt this season, they're shooting 30%, which is one of the lowest. Uh, if not, the, I think it's either the lowest or like top five lowest in the NBA. So LeBron's playing defense now. Um, which is good for the Lakers. Um, he hasn't sat out any games yet. I expect him to sit out at the end of the season, but I mean, they're literally just, they're just bracing for the playoff run at this point. Um, I think Montrose here on Dennis Schroeder, definitely great off season, um, additions as we had previously mentioned. Um, we all said they were going to be good additions and they've both been playing well. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, obviously the Lakers are definitely at the top of the West and, there's some other teams uh, definitely that I think could have a chance at beating them, but um, ultimately it's looking like the Lakers are definitely the best team in the NBA right now. Uh, yeah, I have one question for you guys. So with LeBron and AD playing the 52nd and uh, like 59th most minutes per game, and they're arguably the two best players in the NBA, I said arguably. Uh, what's this Laker team going to look like in the playoffs? How do you think uh, the minutes are going to shape up? Where do you think like LeBron's minutes will go? Where do you think AD's minutes will go? And I'm assuming you guys are going to say they're going to go up. But uh, if so, whose minutes are going down? Uh, I'll go to Dean. What do, you, what do you have to say about this? Um, so about that, I know they're not playing a lot of minutes. It kind of worries me that, that they're not because – uh, the sort of same thing happened uh, to the Clippers where Kawhi and PG weren't really playing that much last season in the regular season. And I'm afraid that the Lakers as a team might get a bit too ahead of themselves. I mean, they just won the championship a few months ago. And LeBron and AD, I know they need their rest, but um, I, I have a feeling that uh, something uh, might come to bite them in the butt like the Clippers did where they were just resting all season. Everyone ended up getting a a few months of a break and it just came to bite them back in the butt in the playoffs. So I think that LeBron and AD in the playoffs, uh, th their minutes will definitely go up, but I'm just hoping that they don't rest to the point where it's like, Oh, we're going to be fully healthy for the playoffs and nothing happens because that's what the Clippers, that's what their mindset was coming to the season. We don't care about the regular season. As long as we get a decently high seed and we're comfortably in the playoffs, then we're going to be fine. So I, I just hope the Lakers don't get too ahead of themselves. I doubt they will because I think they're going to, take this situation a lot smart, uh, much more uh, slower and intelligently than the Clippers did. But uh, I still I still think that everyone's playing great on the Lakers and everything's connecting on all cylinders right now. Okay. 
the reason why LeBron and AD are not playing as many minutes as they did last season or as they normally do is because the Lakers won the championship about two and a half months ago. This was by far the shortest offseason in the history of the NBA and the history of professional sports. So to start off the season where the late, like a lot of the Lakers games where LeBron and AD haven't played as much are, have been blowouts. So, I mean, like, I, they don't really need to play those extra 10, 15 minutes if we're winning by 20 or 30. It just doesn't really make sense. And like you're saying, we got to save them for the playoffs because the playoff run is where it really matters. The finals is where you win a championship. So, yes, we need to get a high seed or the Lakers need to get a high seed and they need to do that or they do that by playing LeBron and AD more. But it, we're 10 and 3 right now. It's been working out so far. So, if it keeps working, we get a top seed, and LeBron and AD are more rested than they would be than if they played more. Fine with me. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying, Dean. Uh, the Lakers are definitely playing a dangerous game. If they uh, they say, "Oh yeah, if we were to lose fifty percent of our remaining games, we'd still be like the two or three seed," but as as Tyler said, half of the games the uh, LeBron and AD are sitting are just because the Lakers have gone up 30 by the end of the third quarter. And if that game managed to get close, they'd just stick them right back in there. Don't know why my Siri just went off. But, uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to see the Lakers get too ahead of themselves and just start resting up for the playoffs. I want them to secure that one seed, and then they can worry about the playoffs. All right. Now that we've turned this podcast into a Lakers podcast, uh, we're going to head over to one of the more disappointing teams this season, and we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. So, Andrew, since you didn't really talk much about the Lakers, why don't you start us off with your thoughts on the Raptors? Yeah, this, this was the team that I actually wanted to talk about because the Toronto Raptors, it didn't seem like they lost that much in the offseason, but it's looking like Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka were a much larger part to that team than it had it seemed at free agency because Marcus all now in the Lakers, Sergi Baca now in the Clippers. Now their starting big men are Aaron Baines, um, the backup centers, Alex Line. They've actually a surprisingly Chris Boucher has been really good off the bench for them. And um that has definitely been a revelation for them. But I really thought that OG Ananobi was gonna take a huge step. I thought that Fred Van Fleet, who just got a huge contract, and Kyle Lowry, who's under a pretty nice contract. I think I thought that they are both going to step up scoring wise, but really this team, they can put the ball in the basket, but it doesn't look, but I haven't watched many games, but what I have watched is that they're very inconsistent and they don't win close games. They've lost two games by one point and they've lost. I'm pretty sure um, over half their losses have been single-digit losses. And a main reason because of that is Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam has taken a major step back um, since winning Most Improved Player. In the bubble last year, he was terrible. And now it seems as though maybe Julius Randle infected him with the uh, spin move is the only move you can do on the basketball court disease because literally that's all Pascal Siakam does. He maybe takes a couple of dribbles and then spins into contact and tries finishing through someone. He's had two game-winning shot opportunities in the past week, and he's, prior to shooting the shot, he has done a spin move. I don't know if he thinks that the spin moves just work, but he hasn't made the shot yet. Um, he hasn't made any game-winning shots yet, and he his stats are just worse, and he's not playing defense. And I think the Raptors thought that 
with the emergence of him and OG Ananobi that they'd be fine, but they're not fine. Um, I'm pretty sure that they have one of the worst records in the league at three and eight. And so far, it doesn't look like they're making the playoffs. And, you know, some early 2021 mock drafts are coming out and there are already people projecting them to be in the bottom five, even with the roster they have. I expect them to definitely turn it around, but this really bad start could definitely cost them playoff position 100%. There's definitely teams ahead of them, um, like the Hawks, like the Hornets potentially, like the Orlando Magic that you wouldn't have predicted to finish above the Raptors, but because the Raptors are off to such a terrible start, there's a good chance that the Raptors are below. So at this point, the Raptors need to turn this around. At this point, they're just fighting for a play-in game, and I think it would be pretty funny if you you know, made like the Eastern Conference semifinals one year and then you're somehow in the lottery the next year because it didn't even look like they lost that much on paper. But yeah, the Rockets definitely need to turn it around. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start off by saying that uh, Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, that loss for the Raptors, was way worse than I thought it was going to be and way worse than everyone thought it was going to be because they replaced them. Aaron Baines, Alex Len. Okay, Aaron Baines was pretty good on the Suns last year behind DeAndre Ayton, and Alex Len's an average backup center. So, I mean, when you have those guys, you'd think they'd be okay because you expect a big jump from Fred Van Vliet, uh, OG Ananobi. You expect Kyle Lowry to be to have his veteran presence, and he's a great scorer on the floor. And you expect Pascal Siakam to take that jump from all star to superstar. And clearly, most of that hasn't worked out because Pascal Siakam, like you mentioned, Andrew, has just taken a huge step back. He he caught the spin move disease. He's missed two of the same exact shots, game winners, like you said, Andrew, off the spin moves. He's missed two of them. They've lost, uh, I, I believe three games ago, three and four games ago for the Raptors, they lost by one because Pascal Siakam missed two spin move floaters. Um, But uh, Fred Van Vliet, I think he's played pretty fine, to be honest. Same with Kyle Lowry, but I think what's really holding them back is Pascal Siakam. I expect him to be much better. And I'm glad that they uh, have uh, Chris Boucher on that team because he's really, really good with that second unit because he's averaging two and a half blocks a game. I have him on my fantasy team. And I and I love the guy because he gets so many blocks. He grabs boards. They need to start him. They need to start him, to be honest, because Aaron Baines is just not working at the starting center. And Chris Boucher getting those starting center minutes, he's just going to make that team a bunch, uh, a lot better. So I expect the Raptors to turn it around. I predict. I think I predicted them to be like the five seed, but it sure doesn't look like they're going to finish as a five seed at this rate. So they're going to need a lot of. Uh, they're going to need a lot more scoring and efficiency from Pascal Siakam, or else I don't see them making the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah, you guys covered the Raptors pretty well, but uh, looking at the standings and just watching some of their games, a team that's really similar to the Raptors, in my opinion, not their roster or anything, but that'd be the Washington Wizards. They're also three and eight. They have a point differential pretty close to zero, just like the Raptors do. They keep putting themselves in positions to win the game, and they just can't. They can't. They can't win the game. It's as simple as that. And if it feels like the Wizards aren't like severely underperforming or anything, Bradley Beal's playing out of his mind, averaging thirty-five, five and five. It's not going to get much better than that for him. And with Russell Westbrook going down with an injury, it's. It's feeling, and and Thomas Bryant going down with a ACL tear. I think it's it's looking dangerous for this Wizards team. They keep putting themselves in positions to win, and they just can't do it. They're giving up too many points on the defensive end. Uh, they they're gonna need to 
they're going to need to make a change quickly if they want to uh, put themselves in any position when Russell Westbrook comes back to make a playoff run. So, yeah. Hey, Campbell, I completely uh, agree with you about everything you said about the Wizards. And one of the things that's gone wrong for them is their defense. And the, I'm pretty sure teams are averaging like 120 points per game against the Wizards. And that is just absurd. Like, it doesn't matter if your best player, Bradley Beal, leads the league in scoring at 34 points. If you're giving up 120 points, you are not going to win very many games often. And it's not even like they have the hardest schedule in the NBA. They're losing to teams that, on paper, they look so much better than, but they just don't play defense. And I've heard a lot of talk about how Scott Brooks is not stressed, was not really stressing the defensive end very much. Uh, in training camp and also that some of his rotations have been like very vulnerable they're rolling like when I see lineups that consist of Russell Westbrook Ish Smith you know Davis Bertans Danny Advia and Bradley Beal you have one above average defender in Westbrook and then everyone else is a below average fan in the lineup no friends to Bradley Beal but he doesn't play much defense but he does make up for it scoring so i'm not going to blame him entirely and as he said himself they can't guard a park car um so yeah their defense definitely the problem and i think that if the wizards i think the wizards might try to make a move and if they still can't get into the play-in race or the eighth seed race i think that they'll pro they're probably going to end up firing scott brooks and then sadly for wizards fans if they don't make the playoffs this year, I have a feeling that Bradley Beal will uh, request to be sent somewhere else. So I don't know if it's that time yet, but I think it's definitely getting near there. Yeah, I just want to say something really quickly before we move on to our last team review of the season. Um, uh, I think that Scott Brooks, what he said, uh, what Andrew said, he said about not really focusing on the defensive side of the ball is absolutely absurd because they're a bottom two defensive team last season. And they're one of the worst defensive teams clearly this season, especially losing Thomas Bryant, Russell Westbrook, a pretty good point guard defender. Um, I mean, they like they have lineups where it's just there's zero defense being played on the court. Like Bradley Beal, yeah, he scores 35 a game. So what if you're giving up so many more points in transition and they have no defensive scheme? Scott Brooks should get fired. Uh, we're going to move on to the next team, though, uh, since we talked a lot about yeah. uh, the Wizards. So uh, we're going to be talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they've been very good this season. So Tyler, uh, how would you like to start about this? Yeah, let me just say something really quickly about the Wizards. Um, the Wizards cannot rely on Bradley Beal to score 30 to 50 a game. And then they lose by like 20, which makes no sense to me. I mean, their player, their players, they Bradley Beal has the most points per game in the league and they are still getting blown out in half of their games. I mean, so I mean, yeah, I I don't really I don't really know what to say about them. They got to get better if they want to make um the playoffs. But talking about the Sixers, the Sixers have been, in my opinion, the most surprising team uh to play well to start off the season. Um, Joel Embiid is playing an MVP level. Ben Simmons is playing great defense. Tobias Harris is not. I mean, I don't know if he's playing for how much money he's making, but he's definitely playing better than he was last season. Danny Green is shooting the ball relatively well. Shake Milton is playing well. I mean, Matias Thibel is playing a good is playing good defense. I mean, their team is panning out how they wanted it to be. So, I mean, the Sixers. What what's their record right now? They have the second best record in the league. What are they nine and three, eight and three, something like that? But 
Dean's bull prediction is looking like it could come true, getting potentially the two seed. I still don't think they will get the two seed. I think that they can still, I mean, they might get the two or three seed, but you know what? If they keep this up, they're going to be a team to be a team to beat in the Eastern conference. I mean, they can play with the Nets. I think, I think they can play with the Bucks, the Celtics. It's just going to come down to how well they shoot. Cause if Ben Simmons continues to not want to take any three pointers and Danny green and Seth uh, Curry both have off days, this team's going to struggle, but right now they're looking, they're looking quite good. Oh uh, yeah. I want to go off one of the last names you said there, Seth Curry. I think he's other than Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid, obviously, I think he's been the key to the 76ers success. He's uh, shooting the three point ball at a league best 59.5% through only eight games, but that's still absolutely ridiculous. He's playing 30 minutes a game, which he's never done before in his career. He's He can shoot the free throw, and he's he's got engaged on the defensive end, surprisingly. He seems to get his hands in passing lanes, and as I said earlier, most importantly, he's just knocking down shots, and that's what the 76ers needed. They couldn't, they couldn't win a single game against the Celtics in the playoffs last year simply because nobody could shoot on their team. Um, but I think Seth Curry's really going to help this team a ton this year. And if he keeps up, what he's obviously not going to shoot 60% from three for the year, or that would be incredible, to say the least. But uh, if he can keep that number up there still and near the league best while still shooting five to six threes per game, the 76ers team is really going to be dangerous in the playoffs and uh, the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I think what's really been key for the 76ers this past season is so many of their bench pieces because I didn't really expect much of this, but um, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, I know Andrew's really high on him coming into this draft. I know he wanted the Knicks to uh, trade back and draft him, but he's been an absolute beast since falling to Philly at, I believe, pick 21 in the draft. He's been a beast off the bench, filling in for Ben Simmons when he was out for a couple games this past week. I mean, he dropped 39 as a rookie, uh, and he was one of the later picks in the draft. And then you have Shake Milton, who showed many glimpses of being an elite scorer last season and in the bubble, but he's been really good. Uh, he, I believe he just came back from being exposed to COVID, uh, and yesterday he dropped so many points. And Danny Green, he's been pretty solid for them too. I mean, he's pretty bad for the Lakers, uh, three-point shooting-wise, but he's been pretty solid for the Sixers. So I think that... I mean, Ben Simmons and Embiid's playing like an MVP candidate with all those pieces on the bench. Yeah, that's going to get you a very good record in this league. So I really like what Philly's been doing. I like all the defensive and offensive schemes that Doc Rivers has been running. I think he's the right coach for this team. So, Andrew, do you have anything to say about the Sixers? Because they're definitely exceeding expectations this year. Dean, all the things you mentioned point back to one man and one man in particular, and that is Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is definitely one of the best GMs. He looked at the 76ers roster and within days, he traded Al Horford for shooting and traded Josh Richardson for more shooting. Seth Curry has been one of the best three-point shooters percentage-wise in the NBA so far this season. Um, And Danny Green, I know he missed that clutch shot, but overall, he's still a great shooter. And after being in a little bit of a slump, he's been on a tear the past few games. And they did play against an undermanned Miami Heat team. So those wins were probably pretty easy wins for them. But the Sixers are looking like a very well-rounded team. As you said, Dean, I was very high on Tyrese Maxey. And 
I'm I'm fine the Knicks drafted Emmanuel quickly because if you watch them play, they're literally the exact same player. They play the exact same way. And I just knew more about Tyrese Maxey because he was more highly regarded in the media. And he's showing his nice scoring ability. Another guy that I know Campbell knows very well, Shake Milton. Um, he's proven that he can be a really good uh, bench piece off the bench in terms of scoring. Him and Dwight Howard have a nice pick and roll combo there. And, you know, Doc Rivers has so far made it work with Ben Simmons. I mean, one thing about Ben Simmons' game outside of his shooting that he needs to work on is definitely his jump passes. A lot of times he drives or he's in transition and he gets himself in the air and tries to make an acrobatic pass that ends up being a turnover or just a travel somehow. Um, so I really think that maybe outside of that, Ben Simmons has played the best that he can. And Joel Embiid is playing like the MVP of the league right now. Tobias Harris is having a solid season. Uh, his probably his best season of his career in terms of efficiency wise, like he did with Doc Rivers on the Clippers. So I really think that the additions of Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey pretty much transformed the uh, Sixers into a real contender. And I really think that the Sixers could contend because going up against some of the best teams in the East, in terms of the Bucks, you need to be a great defensive team like Miami was. The Sixers are an incredible defensive team with a back line of Joel Embiid, putting a guy like Ben Simmons on Giannis. I think Ben Simmons is probably like, if you wanted to, in a lab, make a perfect defender for Giannis and Tenacumpo, you would, your results would be Ben Simmons. And he can also be, he would also be a perfect fit for guarding Kevin Durant. Um, He'd be a perfect fit for guarding Jimmy Butler. He'd be a perfect fit for guarding Karis LeVert now on the Pacers and Joel Embiid can just hold down the paint uh, and get a ton of rebounds and shot blocks. So I definitely think that the Sixers are going to be a top team in the East. And for me, I kind of thought that they would be a top regular season team. Dog Rivers always gets his team to win games. For me, it just comes down to can they win the playoffs, which I'm excited to see. Yeah, Daryl Moore definitely addressed all of Philly's problems very clearly and did it in orderly fashion when he uh, left Houston to go to Philly. So now that we're done with all of our other segments, we're going to move on to our traditional shot clock segment. And today's question for the shot clock is, if you could see Deshaun Watson get traded, which team would you like to see him go to the most? Okay, so Andrew, you're up first. You're on the clock. I'm going to get my timer out. And Andrew, you have 24 seconds to tell us which team you would love to see Deshaun Watson on the most. Three, two, one, go. I would love to see Deshaun Watson the most on the San Francisco 49ers just because they have a great head coach. They have a great run game, a great O-line. He'll have all day back there. They have Brandon Ayuk, who's a great wide receiver, and they can they have the money to go out and get someone else. Or they could just draft another wide receiver because there are many talented ones in this upcoming draft class. They have some of the best defensive players returning from injury last year, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa. They're a great overall team. They're just missing a superstar quarterback to lead them to the Super Bowl. I definitely yeah. agree with that pick, Tyler. I like I like that choice. I like that choice, uh, Andrew. The one thing that you said that uh, um, that is concerning for me, at least for the 49ers making them a contender, is that their best cornerback, Richard Sherman, is actually going to be a free agent. He already said that uh, he's leaving. So, I mean, yes, they're going to still be contenders, uh, but they're just going to have to go out and find another cornerback number one. But yeah, definitely the 49ers. If Deshaun Watson goes there, becomes an immediate contender, and yeah. And just for the record to everyone who's listening, we are only choosing teams that may be in need of a quarterback. So Tyler, you're next up on the clock, 24 seconds starting now. So I'm actually going to go with the Washington football team. We don't know what their team name is going to be next year. They're 
probably going to change it, but for not right now, I'll say Washington football team. I think this is true because Terry McLaurin is a great wide receiver number one. They have the money to go out and maybe get out uh, someone else. Antonio Gibson is a franchise running back, and their defense is very good. So getting Deshaun Watson will make them an immediate contender, make them automatically win the NFC East, and potentially do some damage in the playoffs. I'm sure Andrew's not too happy about Tyler saying Deshaun Watson to the football team automatic NFC East title. So, uh, Campbell? I think it's realistic, but I think because I think- the Washington football team have such good draft picks, I don't know if they'd be willing to mortgage uh, that entire. I think uh, they would be willing to do- get uh- – it depends. Like if the, the Texans might get better offers than what the Washington football team can. Yeah, them. that. Right, yeah. yeah. Get, if the Washington football team can give a good offer and give them a couple draft picks and maybe some in the future, and he goes there, I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be good. Yeah, if like yeah. They get a franchise. But however, my opinion, the team that Dean is going to mention soon has way better assets and way better offers. So that's my only reason why I think maybe he wouldn't end up in the. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they can Washington. get a wider receiver. They're talking. Yeah. All right. So Campbell. Uh, you're you're up on the clock. Twenty four seconds to tell us which team you would love to see Deshaun Watson play for the most, starting now. Uh, the team I'm gonna choose is the New England Patriots. Uh, regardless of skill positions or whatever, I just think it would be really fun to see Deshaun Watson with Bill Belichick. Uh, everyone's sort of hating on Bill Belichick after the Patriots failed to make the playoffs. Cam Newton is uh not the long term option. I just think it could be a, a really interesting fit for him. And as much as I hate to – I don't want to see the Patriots succeed, but it would definitely be fun to see uh, Belichick and Watson together. Bill Belichick and Deshaun Watson together would be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, Josh Allen versus Deshaun Watson in the AFC East, those Bills-Patriots games would be a lot of fun to watch. All right, now I'm going to go. Who's going to time me? I will time you, uh, Dean. Give me one quick sec. Okay. 24 seconds on the clock starting now. So a team I would love to see Deshaun Watson on is the Miami Dolphins, and here's why. I think they would have the best trade package to trade for Deshaun Watson. Maybe it's Tua. As if they do not involve their third overall pick, which is actually the Texans pick, then I think Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins would be absolutely insane. They have the third overall pick potentially and Deshaun Watson. They use that to get him another uh, asset, a wide receiver in Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, someone like that on offense. That Dolphins team would be unstoppable with that duo. So I think Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins would be crazy. Yeah, Dean, that's the team I would like to see him the most on. Uh, as Tyler said, that's more uh, AFC East showdowns between Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, which is pretty hyped to watch, but also the fact that the Dolphins have a top 10 defense, a great head coach, and, and they're going to be getting a new offensive coordinator. And I don't know if he would take the job, but if the Miami Dolphins could um, potentially pull this trade off, maybe Eric Bieniemy can be their offensive coordinator because Deshaun Watson really wanted him to be the Texans head coach, and they didn't even give him an interview. And I mean, uh, as Dean said, they I have doubt, the best uh, trade package. I doubt Eric Bieniemy would leave the Chiefs. I, I don't see a reason why he would. I mean, they have the best offense yeah. in the league. But if they can I get a that. good offensive coordinator that Deshaun Watson likes, and Deshaun Watson wants to go there, which I'm pretty sure he does want to, I mean, they could potentially put together what their number is 16th or 17th pick and Tua to go to the um to go to the Texans 
um, and maybe a couple more picks for Deshaun Watson and still retain their number three and draft Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or trade down a little bit, a little bit and get Jalen Waddle. So, I mean, they have a lot of options here if they want to go out and get Deshaun Watson. And they also have more Texans pick than ju- picks than just that third overall pick. Um, they have, uh, I don't know if it, they have another first round pick, but I know that they have some uh 2023 picks i think one might be a third rounder it might be first i'm 100 sure but that uh larry tunsil trade was definitely a huge success for the dolphins and it'd be pretty funny if they ended up trading that pick back uh to the texans and giving it them back um but yeah as you said dean i think that'd be pretty awesome to see deshaun on the dolphins all right and that's going to do it for this week's episode make sure to follow us on twitter instagram at at buzzer podcast make sure to also subscribe to us on youtube at at the buzzer podcast and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.